trying to develop that culture, that that spirit that that we are all part of something that's that's worthwhile and that we are part of something that's that's bigger than just coming in to do a job and be able to create opportunities for people. Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. It's our first podcast of 2023, and this year we're going to try to do more live streams to engage our community on YouTube. And today I'm joined by Martin Birch, who is the president and CEO at IBML. Martin, how are you today? I'm doing great, and uh, nice to chat with you today, Anthony. And I feel actually that now I've made it in some strange way because I have an eight-year-old son who is addicted to these YouTube shows where these crazy teenagers who all somehow seem to live in these amazing big houses with swimming pools and stuff like that and driving fast, flashy cars, and they end up doing these wonderful challenges on YouTube that get them millions and millions and millions of viewers. And so uh, hopefully we can, uh, in a small way, we can replicate some of that today. Well, that's a big task for today. I was going to ask you about your business, but let's <laughs> let's let's endeavor to get a million views. You know, if you're going to get millions of views on a business, uh, you know, renting a flashy house and a flashy car is a pretty dang good investment. But uh, maybe we can pull some equally genius business strategies out of today. Yeah, yeah. Let's try. And if we can't do that, you can. We can give each other weird challenges and uh, see what that does to the ratings. Excellent. Well, let, let's start there. So why don't we bump the ratings up a little bit more? Tell our listeners about who you are, a little bit about IBML and, uh, you know, kind of what brought you to the place that you're at right now. Yeah, sure. So uh, I, I'm, I'm CEO of IBML. And uh, for those that don't know IBML, uh, we make the world's biggest, badass uh, scanning systems. So the world's fastest digitization devices. And uh, we sell these things to uh, everybody from governments across the world to the world's largest companies, financial institutions, big banks, as well as uh, outsourcing providers, uh, the likes of the big BPOs that you see uh, in major towns across the world. So we don't just digitize documents. Uh, we're that bridge between the analog world and the digital world. So we would digitize a document. And we'll basically understand it. You know, we can in real time understand that document as we're digitizing it. And then we'll feed it into a company's back end process. So that essentially is what we do. Hmm. And when you say big ass scanners, why would somebody need? Is it that you digitize a lot of things? Is it that you digitize big things? Is it a bit of both or? Yeah, tick all of the above. So uh, anybody that has either a lot of documents or wants to deal with these documents in a particular timeline. Think about processing payments, for example. You want to get that done the same day the payments are made. You want to be able to process them, feed them into the banking system. So where time is an issue, where accuracy is an issue, where speed is an issue, and where volume is an issue, IBML can solve for all of those challenges. Cool. And previous to IBML, you were at a brand that some people might recognize? Yeah, big yellow brand uh, known up in Rochester, New York, uh, as uh, as Kodak, so I was there for a number of years, both in uh, Europe and in the U.S. 
And so for those of your uh, viewers and uh, podcast subscribers who haven't guessed it yet, judging by my accent, I am not from around these parts. Uh, I'm not a, a US local. I escaped from Europe uh, across the pond a few years ago, and uh, I'm now living in uh, North Atlanta uh, on the East Coast. Excellent. And IBML is located in this Alabama? Yep. So we're uh, we're an international company. We're, we're located in Birmingham, Alabama, and we've got locations in Europe too. Excellent. And from LinkedIn, it tells me that there's about 250 employees or so, and you've been there just about six years? Yep, that's correct. Awesome. So in those six years, what have been your biggest learnings as the, the CEO, as the executive of this company leading this forward in a in a technology space that, well, is literally transforming the speed of business and, and how people are doing business? And so, yeah, a little bit about the business and we'll go from there. Yeah. So, uh, so, so learnings, uh, many, many, many learnings, but maybe, uh, maybe a couple uh, firstly, uh, a, a great general once said, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. And that is certainly very true. You can you can plan to the nth degree. You think you've got the best plan ever written. You go out and you start executing it and you execute a hard right straight away. So I think the ability to be able to think on your feet and don't go into any situation blind, do a good bit of planning and know where you're going to go but be prepared to adjust on the fly. So sometimes it's better to get moving rather than have the first, the best, most perfect plan. Get moving, start out on a journey, know where you want to get to. You've always got to have the goal in mind. You've got to know where your destination is. You've got to know where you're, where you're trying to get to with this plan, but be prepared that the road is going to deviate on its way. And sometimes you have to go sideways to go forward Sometimes you may even have to go backwards for a period of time. But as long as you've always got the goal in mind and you know where you're going, you can adjust on the fly and make sure you get there. You might have asked, without giving away too much secret sauce, are you referencing to, you know, when you entered the company? Are you referencing the middle of the company? And and maybe a little bit more specific as like, what are what, what did you experience? Were you going through a new market? Were you launching a new technology? Were you hiring staff? Um, without, again, just uh, divulging any kind of confidential information. Yeah, I think it's all of those, Anthony. It's, uh, it really is. And I think even today, Change is the only constant that all of us have to deal with. And sometimes it's totally unexpected. The pandemic, for example, you know, no one, no one was predicting that. No one was expecting that. And that turned everybody's world upside down. You know, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, whether you're in business to business or whether you're in business to consumer, whatever you're doing, the pandemic threw everybody upside down. So no matter what plan anyone was on, in any business at that moment in time, everybody had to pivot, whether it was a shift from, hey, we all come into the office Monday to Friday, nine to five, to, okay, everybody's going to go to hybrid working. Maybe the vast majority of people go to remote working. That was Those were all things that hadn't been expected and every company, not just IBML, had to deal with. So I think mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a good example. I think other good examples... People are tough. People are hard. You know, people are different. And never assume that everybody understands what you expect and everybody understands what your what the direction is. 
communicate, 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 communicate. You can never have too much communication. And so I think keeping in touch with everybody in the company, being a good listener as well as a, as a, as a good talker is very, very important because you've always got to know it's, it's very easy to think, hey, we're charging in this direction and everybody's with us. But people get it at different, uh, different speeds and people, people need to be bored along with the direction. You need to always make sure that you don't leave somebody behind, that everybody understands the journey that you're taking them on. So maybe I can ask, as you brought up the, the the pandemic, and I thought that that was interesting without getting into there, but, you know, as I look from, you know, the markets that we serve and everybody that we worked into, you know, this transformation into digital really happened overnight where a bank would never allow you to do a insurance application or a loan application digitally. Now everybody, you know, moved to that, like literally overnight because it was what was accepted and what was needed to move the business forward. Am I incorrect in assuming that that, uh, had a significant impact on you know the the need and the timeliness of your business. It did, and it had a it had a positive impact uh, for our business naturally, and uh, so it's kind of accelerated our our growth path. But you're absolutely right, and you know people moved a lot quicker than they would have done normally. So to your point, banks are the most conservative org- of organisations. They 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 are very very risk averse. And for them to change their processes is not easy. But a lot of these organizations, banks and governments, went to remote working. And all of a sudden, I think, uh, you know, government departments had argued for for years about whether they should be using uh, intranet tools and uh, sharing information remotely and uh, the security risks and all of, all, all of that sort of thing. Overnight, they rolled out a whole raft of tools uh, to enable remote working. Mm. And so... I think that whole pandemic, you know, good always comes from bad situations. And there was a lot of human impact and a lot of uh, human stories from the pandemic, you know, bad ones. Since then, I think a lot of good has come out of it. The shift to more flexibility and the shift for employees and companies to change the way they do things, I think, has changed the world forever and has had major, major impacts on those of us who employ people, you know, we have to embrace that the world has changed and the way employees want to work has changed. And whereas in the past pre-pandemic, you could say to someone, okay, your core hours here are from 8 till 4.30, for example, and you're expected to be in the office. If you say that to people today, you might not get a positive reaction. A lot of people got to work remotely. They got to embrace this new world of kind of hybrid work and you know what? They kind of found out that they quite liked it and they don't want to go back. Now. Hey, Anthony here. One of the things I don't talk too much about on the podcast is what we do at SME Strategy. So I wanted to let you know that if you and your team are thinking about getting together you know, this winter or even in the new year for strategic planning, that we'd be happy to have a conversation to see how we might be able to help your team walk through the strategic planning process and make sure that your people, your strategy, your culture are on the same page. One of the most exciting parts about the work that we do is being able to lead people through a proven process to help them get to where they want to go. 
If you're interested about that process, our video about it on YouTube just hit over a million views. So be sure to check that out. Let us know what you think. Uh, but most importantly, I wanted to let you know that if you are looking for somebody to partner with your team to support everybody in getting aligned, moving forward towards a clear set of goals and objectives, and really making sure that you have the foundations for that next stage of growth, that we can partner with you to do that. Whether that's through an offsite strategic planning session or, you know, follow up support services to keep you accountable, to help your team grow and develop, or really to lead a full transformation. So if you're interested, check out smestrategy.net. You can check out our about page, our services page. It'll tell you more about how we do things. And I'd be happy to have a conversation with you to see if we're a good fit to help. Thanks so much. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. And now let's get back into the episode. Do you mind if I ask just a question? Because it's like a burning question for me. It's like, because of your business specifically, how it was, how did your company react? Like the remote work notwithstanding, uh, it looked to me like the people who have been there have been there for like a decade. So you have people who've been in this industry for a long time. Overnight, the things change. What did you do as a CEO to lead your company into this stage? Obviously, remote work was part of it, but what are maybe two or three of the things that you de- did to lead the company forward successfully through the kind of new economy, so to speak? Yeah, sure. And uh, we set ourselves two goals at the start of the pandemic. And the two goals that we set ourselves was number one, keep our employees safe. And number two, keep them employed. Okay, because we knew that this would have an impact on our business. We did not want to go into this furlough situation because, you know, there's a human impact to doing that. And there's a business impact to doing that. And very often, if you if you if you do well and do the right thing, that's one of our values, by the way. One of our core values is we do the right thing. And the right thing was to keep people safe and to keep people employed. And the keeping people safe bit was this shift to where we could have people remotely working or separated uh, with some sort of margin for error. And so, you know, we straight away had to supply those remote workers with the tools to do their work on a, on a remote level. But as per the previous point, we had to communicate with them and keep them engaged and keep them in touch and make sure they felt part of that mothership, make sure they still felt, because you can't have a water cooler conversation when somebody's in, in, in their kitchen in one part of the the city and somebody's in their, their their bedroom in the other part of the city. How do you keep that social interaction going? How do you keep that communication path going? So we went through a series of things. Um, we did uh, a regular coffee, what we called a coffee coffee talk. And a coffee talk, we got basically a, an all hands Zoom meeting, and it was uh, turn up with a cup of coffee or a croissant or a bagel, and uh, we would just chat for 30 minutes. And so for 30 minutes, we would give a quick state of the nation company update, where we were, what we were doing, anything that was important of note. And we would keep it uh, fairly high level, but we would also try and keep it human. So if someone had had a uh, a landmark birthday or someone had had a uh, a new baby or something had happened in somebody's life, we'd, we'd publicize that too. So we'd keep in touch with, with the team, uh, wherever they may be. And that was a good way of doing it because that was quite of a, an informal thing. And then we had some more formal pieces on top. We we did a, a monthly newsletter that, that kind of kept people in touch with that. And then we we built a cadence of departmental meetings and intra-departmental meetings where we had collaboration groups 
who would kind of communicate on a regular basis weekly uh, to kind of keep checked in and ensure that everything was kind of kept moving forward. Cool. Are you still doing those now that it's quasi-hybrid, quasi-in-person? Yeah, most of those we are, and we've adapted a little bit over time. But yeah, exactly, we are. And it's very interesting if you there's there's if you talk to the team about these things, there is no doubt that people enjoy this kind of hybrid way of working and they like that level of flexibility. And people, you know, there was this phrase that that cropped up during this period, which was the the great resignation. You know, you heard it, I heard it. Um, that was a phrase that that kept coming up. I think what we really saw was a great reinvention. And we saw companies and individuals using this as an opportunity to kind of reinvent themselves. And sure, maybe some, some people changed jobs. Maybe some people left the workforce, but they didn't actually leave for long. Maybe someone, some people looked for new opportunities within the companies that they were at. And with us as a company, we also took it as an opportunity to reality check ourselves and say, okay, where are we really heading? Do we need to, where do we need to change course a little bit? What do we need to adapt? And actually with our recruitment and our retention of people, you know, there's a whole bunch of challenges going on right now. You know, you see the the demographics situation, the baby boomer generation, you know, there were 76 million people in the baby boomer generation in the immediate, they're now getting close to retirement or retiring. In the immediate generation that followed them, there's 45 million people. So straight away, you've got a you've got a workforce challenge coming at us. And so the challenges we saw during the pandemic of hiring the right people, retaining the right people, those those things are going to be just as challenging in the years to come with just the basic workforce demographics. So the companies that succeed and win, I believe, are going to be those that actually blend that flexibility with the workforce and uh, take account of the reasons people really do stay in a company. And, you know, it's not just, you know, you and I know it's not just money. It's not just uh, having a nice office. It's that sense of belonging, that sense of feeling part of something that's bigger and, and going to work every day because you feel you can make a difference. Those are the things that we've got to focus on, not just this year, in the years ahead, when, we, when we're kind of dealing with this, this labor challenge of particularly there aren't enough people coming into the workforce right now. So what, is, what are you and your team doing to make sure that you have having people be engaged, having people retained? Like what are two or three things that you're particularly proud of that you're doing internally? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, we've talked uh, a few times about that that flexibility one. I think that's very important. I think the way you engage with the team is very, very important. Trying to develop that culture, that that spirit that that we are all part of something that's that's worthwhile and that we are part of something that's that's bigger than just coming in to do a job and be able to create opportunities for people. I think you know having discussions with people about making sure uh, they're in their put they're in their position of 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 best and highest use you know not everybody can be you know a head of department or the the ceo or whatever but whatever the position that people have the potential to get to we've got to help them unlock that potential and and get there whether it's on the job mentoring whether it's finding them something 
that they can learn, whether it's giving them more responsibility so we can test them in different areas. All of those things we've, we've got to do. Absolutely. So maybe I'll change tracks a little bit. So obviously you've got this background. Obviously you're leading a great company. Obviously the company is at the forefront of technology. Um, What really excites you about the work that you do? Like, what is it? Is it the technology piece? Is it the imaging piece? Is it like, what, what has you wake up in the morning and you, you know, you love doing about your work? So I I love the fact that we're helping our customers and uh, that may sound a little bit, uh, a little bit simple, but without the IBML technology and without the IBML services that we provide the world's biggest banks, biggest financial companies, they would not be able to do their job because they would not be able to do what they do today but by, by doing it a different way. So our technology is not just a plug-and-play technology. We couldn't be unplugged and the customer plugs something else in. So I get a real buzz out of knowing that in multiple companies, in multiple industries, IBML actually makes a difference to their work. So I know very little about your industry. I know a lot about a lot of industries, but I don't know the deep, deep pieces of it. What's like next? Like, what is the future of either digital imaging, of image capture? Like, what are the the trends that you're thinking about as a CEO? Are you saying, hey, I need to be again without giving away your own strategy? You know, what are some of the things that you see on the on the forefront of technology in this space and for your customers? Yeah. So I think number one, digital transformation is now table stakes. You know, every single company in the world is interested in digital transformation and they need to be interested in it because it's key for their business. And I think what we see now is this emergence of multiple workflows, meaning you can have paper coming into a workflow. So if we think about uh, a basic, very simple task of uh, processing an invoice, when an invoice arrives into um Anthony Taylor Inc. on that invoice could arrive in your company in paper format. It could arrive in an email format in a, in a as a PDF attached to an email. It could arrive via a fax. Believe it or not, some people still use faxes. There's multiple ways that that invoice could arrive into your company. And IBML has the technology to combine all of those input streams into one process to make sure that invoice can get paid efficiently um in the system and so you know we 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 make it efficient we save time we combine all of those different streams of input into one and we make sure that that invoice gets paid promptly uh, and effectively so that the uh, the the vendor is happy too so we we work for the benefit of the the client and of course the the client's vendors hmm. I find that interesting. I'm doing a webinar for an IT company talking about resiliency and innovation. And I look at the image behind you, the globe and all of those nodes, for lack of a better word. And it looks at like the interdependencies, like there's all of this technology happening. There's all of this speed happening. There's all of these processes happening where everybody like puts them together and the ability to call it intertwine all of those things into a seamless flow versus having, you know, a dozen or 20 different disparate systems and the people side of that. I, I, from what I hear, it's, you know, that's, 
the intersection of what you're doing as people move faster, as there's more data points, as there's more information that needs to be connected, collated, sorted, uh, you know, just being able to manage that in itself is challenging. And 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 your organization and you as, an, as a company, you know, are, are helping do that. But that's what I hear is one of the big challenges facing folks right now. Is that, do you agree? Yeah, that's exactly right. And companies get this information coming at them from multiple different sources and incredibly fast. And so we are, we have 30 years of experience of actually working with different companies, with disparate systems, with different back-end processes, and basically, to your point, connecting it all together and making it work better. Awesome. Uh, unfortunately, we are coming close to our time, and we had some technical difficulties to start off with. My last question in closing, Martin, is, what is a lesson that you learned in your career that like really shapes how you do leadership today? Maybe it was in a, you know, one of your first jobs, maybe it's in the middle, maybe it was two weeks ago. What was a big aha moment for you that really was like, oh, okay, that was formative and really drives how you make decisions and how you lead people? So I think I'd boil it down to never be afraid to be wrong and never be afraid to admit you're wrong. And the subset of that is, um, you know, just because you sit uh, in in the C-suite doesn't mean you know everything. And so sometimes, uh, you know, I've made decisions that on the face of them, I thought were brilliant decisions and I thought were were made with huge insight and stunning intelligence. And then uh, it's the emperor's new, new clothes syndrome. You know, someone at the back stands up and points the finger and says, he's not wearing any clothes. Or you've got to be very careful to listen uh, to the naysayers. And you've got to listen to different opinions and you've got to be prepared to take those on board. And if you make a mistake and if you're, if you're wrong, put your hand up, admit it, and then work out the best place to go next. And if it, at the point you're making a decision, there's a different point of view and a different perspective that causes you to change your, your direction, listen to that too, take it on board. But then when everybody is aligned, and you have the direction, then everybody has to run towards the goal together. So mm. you do it together at that. So you can discuss it, uh, you can debate it, but at the point that everybody says, okay, we're aligned, we're going to go, you go. Yeah, absolutely. One of the, what made me think of that was, I believe CEOs actually have arguably the least amount of information. They have a lot of information, but they have the, I don't want to call it the lowest quality, but assume they get the last little trickles of all of the information. And then they're largely re relying on assumptions, on assumptions across the board, assumptions that they're making and assumptions across their leadership team. And so what I heard was there was, you know, some sort of, I don't want to call it humbling, but potentially, unless you actually showed up to the office naked, which is another story, but really saying, hey, like uh, some assumptions, some misunderstanding around the information that flowed through that in the future, you said, hey, I really need to make sure that I do a better job listening, better job hearing, understanding what my people are saying so that I am not making the strategy in a vacuum or making decisions in a vacuum that will ultimately support greater alignment, engagement, that kind of thing. So it sounds like it was a learning experience. I just wanted to extrapolate a couple of things. Am I on point with my assertion? Yeah, I think bang on. And I think you've always got to make sure you listen to the smart people. So take advantage of the people that do have all the detail and make sure that you can get, you can boil it down and you can boil it down to the, the, the key bits because sometimes the information as it flows 
you know, as it flows up the chain, sometimes it gets filtered. And so you've got to make sure you don't get a, an overly filtered, overly biased set of data. And to your point, you know, uh, date, data rules, you've got to be, be working with good data to be able to make good decisions. Absolutely. One uh, kind of soundbite that I like to think of is that as the island of my intelligence grows, so do the shores of my ignorance. So, you know, there's a lot more that I don't know than I do know. And I think that's a perpetual challenge for CEOs. But Martin, I, I wish you and your company nothing but the best. I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the future of this technology and uh, whatever next version three of that is. So, uh, Martin, thanks for being here. I appreciate uh, the chat. Uh, where can people learn more about IBML? So, IBML.com, uh, go to our website. Anybody is uh, very welcome to engage with me on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, Martin, Martin Birch, LinkedIn, you'll find me there, Martin Birch, IBML, IBML.com, great place to start. Excellent. Folks, my guest today has been Martin Birch, who is the CEO and president of IBML. Uh, you know, one of the key takeaways they learned from, from Martin today is really just the importance of communication. But coming out of the past couple of years, there have been so many things that have changed, processes have changed, communication processes have changed. You know, there's going to be some that you've put in place that have stuck and have been great. There might be others that are still needed. So really look at the leadership and the management of how you do your strategy and help move that forward. And of course, if you're looking for a partner to support you with those structures, uh, you can reach out to SME Strategy. So thanks, Martin. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys the rest of the day, enjoys the rest of the year. And thanks for watching today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. See you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week, so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.